0: And if there's anybody that I know of, player, coach, teacher, student, or anybody that I've ever talked to about hitting, he knows, he knows more about my principles that I believe in hitting than anyone I've ever been with.
1: Thanks, Ted. Thanks for believing in me. I'm Steve Feroli. You are listening to the Ted Williams League Baseball Podcast at the playground, right out in the street, baseball, complete. Na, 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 Hi, I'm Steve Faroli, and this is the Ted Williams League Podcast. I'm sitting here tonight with Matt Marini, Dylan McDonald, and Ryan McDonald in Studio 406. How you doing, boys?
2: Good, coach. How are you? I'm doing okay.
3: Doing good. It's a little cold tonight, but... Uh Making the best fit out here in New England. Rye, right, how you doing, Lefty? Good.
1: Yeah, the boys are all on a, still on a break from uh, the holidays, but heading back. When's everybody heading back?
2: 19th. 17th.
3: Uh, I'm back at school right now, but... Uh, wah,
1: wah, wah. Yeah. Oh, that's tough. We wanted to uh, jump in with a couple of things. Um, one is we want to uh, kind of go over what's going to happen in 2022. You know, Happy New Year to everybody. Um, Basically, the Ted Williams League is going to try to bring all its divisions purposely into short form, with the exception of our AA division. And we've talked about this a little bit in other podcasts, but the reason that we're doing that, uh, a couple of things. Number one, uh, short form is the easiest way for another area to understand the benefits of the Ted Williams League. Now, just to go off to the side just for a second, when I say the benefits to the Ted Williams League, there is a presentation that I have put in over a year's work on with clips that are anywhere from four to six minutes long that explain the details of the Ted Williams League. Uh, years of study trying to update and properly scale um, youth baseball. And that can be seen at our website, tedwilliamsleague.com, Facebook. We post in the clips a lot. We talk about a lot of that stuff here, but it's best understood when you watch the presentation. So short form would allow someone, say, in Hyannis or someone in Boston or someone in Bill Ricker, To say, hey Ted Williams League, this is Bill Ricker, we're going to try to play our Thumper Division, 9 and 10 year olds, in short form. Now, one of the reasons we decided on this was because it's COVID safe. Here's what I mean by that. Let's say you're playing on travel team, and you're going here and there and everywhere. Um, With all these strands of COVID, you're being exposed to a lot of different people. If you're in short form, that may only be twenty people plus the staff. So these are the same 20 people in short form. Now how does short form work? Just to remind some of the parents or someone that's listening, you know, a couple of you know, three teams are six, and they defend, two teams defend, while one team bats, and we play a few innings of that. And what's really nice about it is it's absolutely brilliant for the amount of things you get in. A lot of at-bats, a lot of fielding, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, because, you know, you're in a small lineup of six players. And we just really think that short form is the smallest way for the country to learn about the Ted Williams League. That's probably the best way to say it. So, That's one of the things that we're doing. We're we're heading into short form strong with the exception of our AA division, which is kind of upper high school college level play is what that division is like. And they've had a full division of teams for over 20 years. So that's what our plan is. So that means if someone was listening to this podcast and you were, you know, in Abington or you're in Hanover or you're down the Cape or you're... You know, north of Boston, you could say, hey, Ted williams League, can you help us play in short form at age 12? Yes, we will. Ted um, williams League, can you help us play in short form at age 8? Yes, we will. Where are you? We're in, you know, Indiana. We'll help you. Now, what's also nice about this is that there may be some benefits that, you know, work there, too, you know, where you can, um, you know, you can do some employment because we, the Ted Williams League definitely pays its staff. You know, it's a nonprofit organization, but we, we want people to do what we want them to do, and therefore we pay them uh, you know, a certain amount of money to, do, to execute the principles we believe in, and that's really important. You know, a volunteer can be the greatest person in the world, but that can be a double-edged, uh, a double-edged sword. We've all heard about the volunteer, where the kid plays short and pitches every game. The Chapman Williams League, that's not possible. There's no politics at all. And therefore, we're willing to pay people to execute our rules properly. So that's what's coming in 2002. Um, And some other things as well. Guys, do you think I made that pretty clear? Is there anything that you can, anything that you think I'm missing there?
2: Uh, I just want to reinforce from a coach's perspective, when a kid gets more at-bats because of the short form, Uh, format, it lets us get more looks at them and be able to help them develop faster skill-wise.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. You know, in short form, it's nothing to go play a game and go to the plate, you know, six, seven times. Um, And we have other rules, too, that that help that out as well. We have a rule that I'm very fond of, which I think Major League Baseball should adopt, and it's called the speed-up rule. And basically what the speed-up rule does is, Let's say a team's up by 12, well, we don't let them bat unless they need to. You know, so let's say a team, you know, everybody on that team has four or five at-bats and they're winning by 12 runs. We basically, you know, infl- you know uh, put together what they, uh, which is a cricket rule from the game of cricket, whereas that team forfeits their at-bats. Now, in the Ted Williams League, unlike cricket, if the other teams happen to catch you you get your out, so you're at-bats back to see if you can regain the lead or break the tie, whatever, whatever happened to happen. But um, it's just a great rule because it balances experience. And, you know, I mean, if the Major League Baseball was to adopt the speed-up rule, that would mean, let's say a team was up by, I don't know, that would be up to them to decide the amount of runs. Off the top of my head, I'd say 12 or 10 runs. And they say, okay, it's the seventh inning, and now the Red Sox do not bat anymore. They're up by 12, and now Baltimore comes to the plate, and they bat for, you know, the uh, seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. If you follow what I'm saying, and the and the Red Sox just defend, you know, those innings. It's a home game, you know, and. Uh, And I think that would speed the game up. I think in a lot of ways it's more exciting. But the original point I was making is that what it does is it balances the at-bats because if the Red Sox scored 12 runs, they have batted through the lineup more than Baltimore has. So it balances the at-bats throughout the season. That can make a big difference to a player or a team. So it's just something to consider. But um, anyway, those are some of the things about short form that I wanted to throw out there.
3: Short form is great. I've been a part of the league since I was just a little kid. I'm 20 years old now. and I remember when I was seven years old playing uh, short form. Short form, it isn't new to the league, it's been a part of the league for pretty much the whole history I'd say. Um, And I just remember what was great about it was, you know, you got to play every single position so you'd be in the field for two consecutive innings and you'd get to play every single position in those two consecutive. By consecutive innings, I mean half innings. Um, because after every at-bat, uh, the players will rotate positions. So you go from second base to shortstop, shortstop to third, third to left, etc. So I just remember that I got to play every position, which I loved. And like Matt was saying, like the amount of more bats you get too, is honestly awesome because, you know, you'll play in a six-inning Little League game or even on the big dime in a seven-inning game, and you only get to bat one or two times in a game. And in short form, you can bat, say, six to eight times per game.
1: You know, one of the things I wanted to bring up is that um what, m- one of my favorite parts of the Ted Williams League is what we call the rotation. And the rotation is implemented from age five to age nine. Uh, I'm sorry, from from age five to age about 11. And uh, I just want to go over that. So when Dylan was talking about the rotation, he said he was about seven years old, which meant he was either in the splinter division or the kid division. I can't remember now. I'm sure I was there, but I can't remember. And uh, in those divisions, the, the players will rotate every batter one position to their Uh, you know, kind of in a circle. So, like, say, the second baseman will go to short, short will go to third, third will go to left, left to center, center to right, and then there's usually a waiting station where players are waiting in line to enter the field from out of bounds. Now, notice how we did not mention the first baseman, the pitcher or the catcher, because the Ted Williams League identifies them as safety positions, and those players need to take a test to play those positions. So, it's a very interesting league and the rules are very innovative and uh, very helpful to um to the player's progress but at age 11 we no longer rotate at age 11 we go to a platooning system and this would carry through um you know pretty much through the double A where you know um Dylan could be playing you know left field and he could be switching Every other batter or every inning, that's something the coach can decide. I like to do it every batter, but the coach has the option. And he can be switching in and out with another player. So Matt and Dylan could both be playing left field and they could switch in and out every batter. The reason I like every other batter is because then they both have to be aware of the outs, the score, the situation. Whereas if they're on the bench in there for an inning, they get to, you know... Kind of punch out a little bit if they want to. So I like platooning every batter, but that'll give you, you know, those, those are, those are real good points, Dylan, about, um, you know, the, the excitement in participation in short form. Um, do you guys remember any of this now that i bring it out? It was quite a while ago, <laughs> for you all.
3: I still remember to this day. I remember the home runs I hit back in the day when I was with a wood, kid. With, with wood. 0.2. Yeah, that's awesome. right. Yeah. I remember playing under the lights, too, hitting hitting the ball with a wood bat, say it was 8 or 9, like, it's good times. Yeah, well, the thing is, is that uh, our,
1: the presentation is now on the aluminum metal alloy, the titanium bats, in the clip 17, 18, and clip 19 will be all on the bats, and the Ted Williamsley placement would. Now, at our youngest ages, we don't play with wood because there's no need of it. It doesn't matter. It's kind of coach pitch, and the bat really isn't much of a factor. But when we get to be, you know, uh, seven, eight years old, you know, um, we always shift to wood. We shift to wooden bats. Um, anybody else got anything to add to that while we're on short form? No. Well, I wanted to jump over. And um, so that's what we're about to do in 2022. And one of the things we're going to do is we are going to motivate people by a nice working relationship between the Ted Williams League and my baseball camp. The league was born out of my baseball camp. And we'll get into that in a minute. We're going to talk a little bit about the history of the league. But What's basically happened is the Ted Williams League, any player that's in the Ted Williams League, is going to be discounted in any of the camp programs at 33%, which is a very high discount. And the reason we're doing that is because we thoroughly believe, and I believe this as the camp owner and as the league commissioner, uh, two different organizations, but I'm involved in both of them, obviously, I believe that when baseball is played correctly in the correct rules, it is a fantastic experience for your child. And for the first time in 2022, we're really going to start to draw a line on that. And we're not saying that, you know, um, we don't want you, but we want you, we really would prefer that you just played by our rules and did things our way because we feel they're safer more enjoyable and you know just more progressive for your life's journey is probably the best way to say it. Uh, you, you know I was talking years ago someone had interviewed me said what do you do for work? I said well you know I paused for a second I said what I really do is I try to make boys better men and I use the game of baseball as the vehicle and I it just kind of come out I hadn't really thought about it much and I just said that to him and That's a perfect, that's really who I've been all my career. Um, And I've been, you know, fortunate enough to have done some things that were, you know, uh, commendable, I suppose, with, you know, Ted Williams' endorsement and all. But um, that's all I was ever trying to do, and that's what I'm saying right here. I don't really want to. I'm not as excited about coaching a boy that's playing in three different sets of rules. So we're trying to motivate you to kind of just do our thing and try to stay away from other things. And one way we can do it is financially, and I'm happy to to do that. You know, both the camp and the league are going to work together to try to motivate you to stay right here and to reap the benefits of both the instruction of the camp and the instruction and format, format being the key word of the Ted Williams League. So that how this discount works would be Let's say you're going to attend, we have spring training classes starting up in about three weeks or so. These are all indoor type of things, you know, for fielding and hitting and bunting and pitching and so on and so forth. So let's say one of those classes costs $210. Well, if you're a Ted Williams League registered player, which you'll be able to do this week, you can now attend those classes for $140. The only stipulation is, is that the money that you're being discounted has to be paid, at least that amount has to be paid toward the league, the Ted Williams League. And that money is non-refundable. You've committed to the league, and we we expect you to be there. A league relies on its participants. You can't run a league without teams and without players to play. So it's very frustrating when we, we run into a day where we're missing kids and they're in another program. and I'm sure it's very frustrating for other programs when they're missing kids and they're in our program. I would rather you just play there or play here. Now, if you can swing both, I'm I'm not going to fight you with it, but I do think if you watch the presentation, you'll understand why I'm so passionate about this. So you could say play, you could pay the Ted Williams League fee, fee all at once to play in the league which is about the same amount of money, about $210 to play in the spring. And there's some reasons for that. We want to try to extend some of our uniform pieces this year, maybe a gut shirt and some other things. And if you pay that now, that means all the programming is discounted from February to June. So I'm just going to jump in here with an example. So let's say... Mrs. Smith, um, she's done bacon pies and she decides she's gonna, she's, gonna, she's gonna sign her son Colton up for uh, for the Ted Williams League. And um, so she signs him up right now. and she pays the spring tuition for the Ted Williams League is $210 dollars. The minute that happens, now Mrs. Smith, Colton is entitled to attend all our programming, between now and June for a 33% discount. So the winter classes, for example, are 210. Now Colton could attend them for 140. He could go to the next month, 140. He could do our April Vacation Program for, which is an, an all games program we've been running for years, indoor and outdoor, both a rain or shine. He can do that for 140. Uh, all his lessons, uh, 33% less if she wants to do any of that. So it's, it's a very well-rounded financial idea. And then we run a summer morning program. Remember that, that went great last year. You know, don't you agree guys? Yes. So we, we decided to run a summer morning program because no one plays in the morning. We think it's the best weather in the summer to play in. Was so used to it from the baseball camp that it wasn't a problem for us at all. It was fantastic. So let's say now Colton decides he's going to play in the summer morning program as well. And his mom pays for that. Now he's eligible for a day or overnight camp if COVID allows it to happen for a 33% discount. Again, still lessons are there if they want them and so on and so forth. And we play all the way to Halloween, and then we have a fall program. So that's how it works. The only snag of it is, is that you cannot sign up for the Ted Williams League. If you do, it is non-refundable. You can't say, okay, I'm going to sign up for the league, I'm going to receive all these discounts, and then we're not going to play. Um, that's not going to happen, and you can understand why. So that's the only thing. If you make a payment... Uh, if you sign up for the Ted Williams League, it's non refundable. We expect you to be there because a league depends on participants, and that's really important, as I've said many times before. So, the only other rule that's in place is you have to have as much money down in the Ted Williams League as you're receiving the discount. So, we we'll go back to Mrs. Smith's case. If she only had put $70 down for the Ted Williams League spring program, which starts in May, We don't believe there's any good weather before then. If she has $70 down now, she can attend the winter programming and get the discount. She could attend February and get the discount because she has that money paid to the Ted Williams League, if you follow what I'm saying. So that's our only rule, that the amount of money that you're receiving in a discount has been paid to the Ted Williams League until your tuition is fully paid, and then... All the programs are a 33% discount. So I hope that's making some sense. We're going to get all our parents' this information within the next couple of days, but we thought this would be a good way of explaining it. Um, What do you guys think? Am I missing anything there?
2: Nothing I can think of off the top of my head.
1: Colton, I hope you sign up. Bring a couple (laughs) of pies to when you show up. (laughs) Oh, boy. Right, this make any sense to you over there? You're kind of yeah. quiet, Colby Sawyer. <laughs> quiet in the corner. You leave it to a lefty, right? Where's Ted? It's funny. Well, Ted threw right-handed. Let's get, We'll never forget that. He threw right-handed, batted lefty. Who does that? <laughs> so, <clears throat> we had some notes here on the history of the league. Do you guys have any questions on that, that was one, something that we thought might be very helpful to some of the parents listening. Any questions or anything?
2: Um, I think it would be good for the parents to know, because I'm sure a lot of them are curious what Ted thought about your ideas for the league and your rule set, like how on board he was.
1: Yeah, we, well, I think you guys have – it's funny. There's a picture in the presentation taken back in the 80s with me with, with a boy named Ryan Jones. And there's also pictures that you can find on my website and possibly in the presentation. Oh, definitely in the presentation. It's pretty much right over my right or left shoulder through the whole thing. There's a picture of me and Ted together in his home in Florida, shaking hands. And we're shaking hands on the start of the Ted Williams League. The picture of me and Ryan Jones is way more important because to me, what the picture of me and Ryan Jones shows is a 17-inch plate and both our arms and respective bats and how off that all is. That picture, they say a picture says a 1,000 words, that says 2,000. I like that picture. I I recently took a picture very similar to that with a boy named Joe Butler from Pembroke where we have our arms stretched out, Joe's holding the 17-inch plate, and you can see what he can cover and what I can cover. And we're batting up the same plate. It all started back at Ellis Field in Hanover. I was running my baseball camp, and there were some 11-year-old boys, 11, 12-year-old boys playing, and something was radically wrong. And we're going to talk later in this podcast about the District 10 championship game in Little League last July, which was in Brookline. Or Was it Brookline, Matt?
2: It was in Newton, but it was between Brookline and Wellesley. Brookline and Wellesley. We're
1: going to talk about that in a little bit. And that will be in reference to what I'm talking about right now. Basically what happened is I kind of thought out of the box. I said, you know, something is wrong with this picture here. And it's the plate. A man-sized home plate is incorrect for youth baseball. It's mathematically incorrect. Their arms... Their bats cannot cover the zone. Therefore, it is unjustified. It is unfair in relation to the rule book. That's where it all started. Then, after seeing that, I conducted a 10-year study where I put played hundreds of games between what we call the modified rules and the regular rules. Man, I played these all over the place. We played them in 12 different towns throughout New England, but the study was done mainly between Hanover and Norwell, two fields, one was the Woodworth field, right behind, uh, right near the, uh, the reservoir at Assenippe Park, there's a little field tucked away there, and the other one was Ellis Field in Hanover, and we played game after game after game, the way it was set up was we played three innings in one set of rules, and three innings in the other set of rules. And we uh, the stats that we got out of that the, that study was absolutely fantastic. You know, um, strikeouts would decrease dramatically, hit batters would de- decrease dramatically, balls hit to the outfield were up, home runs were up. It was just a better game. And I won't go into all the details, but basically, if you can imagine, we were playing by most of the Ted Williams League rules, at least the equipment and dimensions, and we were. Um, playing by the traditional rules, same boys playing by both. And we have stats on that, you know, of hundreds of games. I'm not even sure you boys are aware of that. But when I say I've worked on this, I mean I worked on it. Now, the traditional baseball rules were created by a nice man from Williamsport, Pennsylvania, Carl Stotts, who I think is a fantastic person. He come out, he tried to put all this together. He was basically a lumberyard manager coming out of the Great Depression. Took a few of his nephews and in one summer tried to scale down Youth League Baseball. And he knew the plate was wrong. But in his book called A Promise Kept, he said, I could not get any funding or have smaller plates made. So we went with the bigger plate. He was advised by Pennsylvania State University not not to go ahead with his dimensions because they felt after a two-week review that some of his dimensions were incorrect and that they weren't sure about parents coaching other children that weren't their own or their own. (laughs) Um, So that's a kind of a brief history of a toss salad of what had happened. I studied it, studied it, studied. I brought it to Ted, and I said, prove me wrong. Of course, he was a friend of mine. So this is someone who I had worked for. He had taken a liking to me. Uh, it took me 10 years to believe it because I, I just couldn't believe it. He'd call me on the phone. He'd send me Christmas presents. He he just took a liking to me. He thought I was a, a hard-working, young American boy. Is probably the best way to say it. So I... Kept working hard. I presented this study to him. Uh, it took him about four years to, to digest it all. He really took his time to think about as much of it as he could. And I said, Will you put your name on? And he said, Damn right, I will. And that's what happened. That, and there, here's the Ted Williams League. So that's really what happened. There were boys from this area who came down to Florida to play a Florida team all by Ted Williams League rule. I can't remember the Mollyfield Terrible. I'm going to go for it. One of the boys was killed in a plane accident just a couple of years back. Uh, I'm having trouble remembering his name right now, but he was from Hanson. Um, Happened uh, not too far from where I live. And um, I'll think of it in a minute. But Tony Bagney made that trip. Peter Corey. uh, I'm trying to remember the other boys from this area. Nicholas Cunningham made that trip. Uh, A bunch of boys traveled down to Florida with us, and we played all week long, and Ted was going to come and meet everyone, and he tripped over his dog and broke his hip, and he was hospitalized, but he watched all the tapes. We videotaped it all. He watched all the tapes, and at the end of the week, uh, about a month later, he called me up and he said, fire it up, and he approved the Ted Williams League. And it took the field in 1997 on September 21st, in 1997. And I did that because I said to Ted, I do not want to be disrespectful to Babe Ruth or Little League. or There was no AAU at the time. And I'll be honest, I wish I never did that. I wish I'd just come out and played right in the spring because I thought that they would say, wow, what are you doing? And we want to do it too. And instead they... They did not. They did not say that. They instead um, kind of crossed their arms and said, "That's not. We, we, we're going to play by our rules." And I, um, I will say the same thing to them that I said to Ted. Prove me wrong. There's no sense in a, a larger plate for a smaller boy. There's no sense for a man-sized ball for a smaller boy. Then there's some things that are too small. The base paths are too small. So there's, there's some of it is too big, some of it is too sm- small. I always wanted to have, get one of my kids. Maybe I could get, um, I don't know, I could bring back uh, Knox Poole and see if I can get him to, he was a real character, I always liked that kid, get him to wear shoes that were too big for him and a hat that was too small and a shirt that was too big and pants that were too small because that's what Little League looks like to me. It looks like a kid dressed improperly that the dimensions some of them are too big some are too small. I mentioned that one time, I want to get a picture like that because it really does explain it. You know, the bases are kind of would be the shirt that's too small and the the you know the plate would be shoes that are too big and the uh, you know the um the baseball could be, you know, uh, a hat that's too big. And you know, um I don't know what else is in there. Uh You know, maybe the the home, the fence, the home run fence was something else that's too big, depending on what division you're in. So we could put, you know, a tie on him, you know, like a, a necktie that goes down to his feet, this sort of thing. And then have a picture of a kid dressed like that. That's what Little League Baseball looks like to me as an expert, you know, in youth baseball. So that's kind of the history of what has happened. And, of course, we put it on the field, and when it took the field, it was three times better than we ever thought it was going to be. We never had a case of League Elbow. We reduced hit batters by forty-eight percent. Just that alone is enough for you to consider this league. And now, you know, um, we're trying to take it into. Ex- we're trying to expand it at this point and want other people to try it. I think short form is the way to go. I really do. So that's kind of a brief history. You guys got any questions on that?
3: Uh, another question I have is how old is the camp in relation to the league? Or did you create wow. around the same time? Wow!
1: Uh, no, no. the The camp is much older than the league. The camp was on the field. Um, basically, I was working for Ted. Um, I got out of the Ted Williams camp. I'm gonna say uh, right around 1980 or so, or 81. I had worked, you know, three years there at the Ted Williams camp where I met Ted. And then I get out of the camp and I started my own program. So the camp has been on the field since 1981-1982. The league, now the study started, you know, around, I'm going to say somewhere around 87, where I actually started to look at the problems. But the camp was running from 81-82 and is still on the field, as you well know, today. So the camp is a good what's that, 81 to uh, 97, what's that, 16 years or so? Right. So the camp is 16 years older than the league, and then the league has been playing for, wow, all that time until now, so that doesn't make me any older, though, boys. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm, still, I'm still swinging.
0: <laughs> Boy, when I
1: talk about it like that, I'm gonna need a cane to get out of here. <laughs> but that's not happening. I'll play a Ryan and wiffle ball in the fall. i can make a comeback.
3: I was just gonna say. He that. Okay. You, you he kill me. He kill
1: me.
3: Can't forget about that wiffle ball game. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's. Uh, yeah, you know it's funny? Uh, you know, one of the things we never talk about, is, you know, wiffle ball. That's something we're definitely gonna bring back in the fall. We didn't play this year. You know, just kind of coming out of the COVID jet lag. I mean, you know, and and you know, and here we are now with you know a strain from there and a strain from here. And God Almighty, it's so hard to follow. Um, never mind try to work around, but. I basically, whenever I go out, I just pretty much put my mask on, and try to stay as clear as I can from everybody, and you know. But we're we're gonna bring wiffle ball back in the fall. I'd like to get that get that playing even a little younger, you know, when I'm more of a double A two to double A. And guys were asking. Chris Colley was on me. We're hey, we gonna do good wiffle ball. We're we gonna do wiffle ball. Guys were asking me. I just couldn't. I couldn't get it together. I had too much going on, you know. Probably the presentation, but the presentation is really really important. It's, it's because you can't explain all of this in a casual conversation. If you don't watch the presentation, you will not understand me. I had a beautiful comment, um, uh, you know, talking, you know, some, with people commenting on the presentation. And they basically really thought about it. And there was some, some really nice comments on it recently. So I really recommend everyone watches it. It can be seen uh, on our website. You can go to Saving Youth Baseball. You click on that, it'll bring you right to a playlist on YouTube, and you can watch every single one right in a row. And then, you know, if you don't, can't watch it all, because it's, you know, you're talking, you know, when by the time it's done, probably 22 clips, about five minutes long. So that's a little bit of time. So you can remember where you left off and maybe, you know, fast forward to it and, and you know, pick up on another day. But I'd highly recommend watching that presentation. I don't think there's anything I've ever done that's more important than my work in the Ted Williams League. And I know old Ted was saying, yeah, how about uh, the way you followed up on my hitting theory, and I'm really proud of that. As some of you may know, the Ted Williams named me the number one authority on that on that theory, and I'm very proud of that. But the Ted Williams League is 100 times more important than that. I don't care if I can teach, you know, um, I don't know, uh, who's the kid there that struggled that the Red Sox just brought back? The son of a Bradley. I don't care if I can... Uh, get Jackie Bradley Jr. to hit good, you know, in a day. Okay, wow, that's important. That's nice. That'd be nice. And I could if he's hearing this. But because I can... His problems to me are are very simple. I can just look at them. I can see what they are. The Ted Williams League, that's way way harder to come by, way harder to... Yeah, think out of the box. What what has gone on here? What has gone wrong? What, What problems that have been ingrained for 70 years... In my, where did they come from and how, how should they be fixed? What's to be done about it? Without my bridge of State uh, education, not possible. That's way more important than, and this is why I say the the, the Ted's theory, or the, uh, shaking hands with Ted, that picture, the, the league, way more important than all of that because it's, to put it simply, you got 5 million kids in 90 countries playing out of scale. That's probably the best way to say it. And I'll say this to anybody, prove me wrong. That's what I said to old Ted. Prove me wrong. Watch the presentation of something you don't like. Maybe you see something I don't. Call me up. I'll change it. We'll fix it. We're those guys. I'm I not mean, perfect. But I'll tell you, this is definitely a very well-thought-out, important study. And uh, I don't think you guys would be sitting here if you didn't believe it. Yeah, I'm sitting there surrounded by three very intelligent, well, most times, college guys. <laughs> And how did you know? How does that happen? It be it's because they know. Uh, same thing. Prove me wrong. They understand. They experience it. Do You guys remember the feelings of this when you were playing?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about that. So there's a clip in there in the presentation where I talk about Dave's opinion. Now Dave was a uh, a great guy that participated in the Ted Williams League for years, and he did Little League and Ted Williams League for ten years of both. So he really had a good viewpoint. It's clip number, let me think off the top of my head. I believe it's clip number nine. That's an easy number to remember. Clip number nine, Dave's opinion or Dave claimed this. So the we're about to do the same thing right now. So here's his three college guys that have played in both. They played some town ball. They played some Ted Williams League baseball. I'm going to shut up. Should somebody jump in? So, what did you? What can you remember feeling? Maybe we'll segue into District Ten
2: after this. <laughs> uh, well, for me personally, I felt like when I was playing in the Ted Williams League, it felt like I was playing a scaled down version of the game I would watch on TV when I'd watch the Red Sox, for example. And when I'm playing Little League, or when I used to play Little League, it felt like I was playing a game that had. slightly different rule set and now that i'm older i realize that those rule sets as you would say steve were like band-aids for out of dimension fields and uh equipment that was not scaled properly to uh me when i was say 11 years old or whatever
1: is anything you know so I agree with you, obviously, you know i you know I designed it, and I agree a hundred percent, but i'm not I think that you guys are here somewhat because you want to join the crusade that another kid will not experience kind of the waste of time that I and you will not me more than you. I didn't have no Chad Williams like, you don't know how many times I thought man, how good would I have been if I got to do this crap when I was nine? You know, crap, is that's the joke of it all. But, you know, when I think about, I'm jealous of my own design. I sit there going, boy, boy, how many balls would I, uh, how many home runs would I hit if I was doing this rather than that? And uh, you guys at least had a taste of both. Anybody else want to weigh in?
3: Yeah, so basically what my career was like growing up, So I played in the Ted Williams League since I was six. Um, I played kid division, thumper division, and a little bit of A division. And then, which, like most other parents, my parents decided to sign me up for town ball. um, More so because a lot of my friends were playing town ball. And the thing about town ball that I remember is my first year going into it, um, I had never played before. I think the last time I played town baseball was... When, when I played t-ball but what I remembered was uh I was the only player in the league that that hit with a wood bat and everyone was looking at me like wow like he's using a wood bat like people kids were like can I use your bat this and that um and I remember like how cool it was that I was the only player with a wood bat and I actually was hitting the ball really well but then I started to notice like once I got to so I played minors and then once I got up to majors I found it to be really difficult, actually, at the plate because guys were throwing harder. I just felt like I didn't feel the same anymore because I remember hitting home runs and swinging with a wood bat in the Ted Williams League, and then I went to go play town ball, and I was having trouble getting around on the ball. You know, I noticed I was jumping out of the box a little bit because the ball was coming in so fast, and, you know, you have the big, the bigger zone. And I also remember just, just struggling to hit the ball. You know, I'd hit the ball on the ground I'd be late on a lot of pitches, um, and then after that, it was like, wow, it's like I'm not really not having as much fun as I was before, um, and then the Ted Williams League, working with Coach Steve, I was able to get back on track with my hitting as I got a little bit older, but I remember the biggest takeaway was was that, of course, um, and then it was just different, you know, like I couldn't steal bases, you know. You can, the only way you can steal in, in town ball or Little League is if you steal after the pitch has been thrown or if the ball hits the backstop. And It's not the right way to play and it's not as fun. Um, I also remember the advantage I had behind the plate with the smaller bases. I found it a lot easier to throw out runners at second when I was catching. And I, I learned a lot of my catching skills from the Ted Williams League because I had to take the catcher's test to be able to catch. So that's just... That's my standpoint on both sides of the, both the Ted Williams League and Little League, and I just remember that with the the incorrect dimensions and the improper dimensions, I saw my my play, uh, just start to go downhill.
1: You know, I I want to weigh in on one one thing here uh, that I think is important, and I, and I'm really glad that you have a fond memory of your youth experience in the Ted Williams League. Um, But I want to say this to some of the coaches that will listen, because it's so easy to put myself or Ted Williams or the Ted Williams League in a category of, like, criticizing all the people in Little League, AAU, Babe Ruth, Pony League. That's, That's not what we're doing. If you listen to what Dylan just said, he kind of paid a compliment to me saying the coaching. Let me tell you something. There are some great coaches in town baseball. What I'm saying is that those coaches, and this is why I want you to watch that clip about Dave Munsters, Dave's opinion, clip number nine in Saving Youth Baseball, Dave's opinion because he coached 10 years in Little League and then did 20 years in the Ted Williams League. So he did both as a coach and an umpire. So his opinion became very important to me over the years because he had done more of both. There are great coaches in those leagues. but I'm saying is they're being restrained. They're being held back. They're being handcuffed. They're being stifled. They're being smothered by the format. The format. Not the volunteers. Not the people. Am I throwing a dart at headquarters? Damn right I am. Because someone there in Williamsport or Trenton needs to think about what's being said here. Them, I am criticizing. Their job is to protect not only your players, but the parents of the players, the umpires in these leagues, the volunteers that are going out giving their hearts to this game and these children in a format that just is out of date. I have a clip we posted on Instagram this morning talking about how everybody's going on a baseball bus. An old bus that was built in the 40s, very little of it has changed. And the changes they've made have been ridiculous. Uh, the space shuttle Bat being my favorite. Some of the changes are the wrong changes. They're trying to fix something, they don't even know where to look. The, you know, it has two flat tires, they got their, they got their nose under the hood. They don't even know where they're looking for the problem. And they'll get on this bus out of tradition, out of schedule, out of routine. And they'll go down that road again. And twice as many kids will be hit. Kids will be hit twice as many times as they should. There'll be 20 to 40 percent, 20 to 50 percent, actually, but at least 20 percent will develop Little League elbow. Never a case of Little League elbow in the Ted Williams League in 20 years or so, however long it's been, since 1997. Not one case of Little League elbow. How is that possible? Correct dimensions, correct format. So it's not the people, it's the format. And I just wanted to say that because I'm... I, 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 these guys are here because they have experienced something. They're very intelligent, like I said, for the most part, me included. <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> On a given day, we laugh like fools, and so be it. It's baseball. It's supposed to be fun. But um, they're here because they understand that this is something that needs to be fixed. And there, there is a better game to be had Ryan, any of this making sense to you? Do you remember yes. any of this? Are you awake over there?
4: Yeah, I'm awake over
1: here. I think he's got a girlfriend. What do you think, guys? He's keep <laughs> something hidden from us. <laughs> oh, he's laughing. <laughs> Look at him. Look at him laughing over there. I'll
3: leave it a little lefty. <laughs> lefty what's... Get
1: Colton on the phone.
3: <laughs> Ryan, what do you remember? Cause I, you made the transition,
4: too. You got to play in both leagues. I think one of the biggest things from when I first started off playing Little League uh, out of the Ted Williams League is I was so confident that nobody else around me knew how the game of baseball worked. So like, for example, I would just remember hitting the ball and rounding first and knowing that if I run the second, there's like a nine out of 10 chance the second baseman's not going to catch the ball. The ball's going to go into the outfield, go to the fence. and then next thing you know, I'm scoring on that play on a routine single. And I just remember that in the infield, feeling like there was no time to make every plays, any plays, because the bases are feel like they're so close to you. Like, a ground ball will be hit to the third baseman, and by the time he picks it up and even thinks about throwing it over to first, the kid's already ran through first because it's so close. And, yeah, I would say that's just the biggest difference.
1: Well, you know... To put this in a in another light for you, for some of the people that are listening along here, um, I stumbled across the state tournament final in District 10, and it was who was it, Matt? It was Wellesley and, and Brookline. W- Wellesley and Brookline, and well, let's talk about that a little bit. Now, Matt went and watched the whole game. We we're in our meeting, and I said, "Will you watch this game and take a look at?" Tell me what you saw and we were talking about a little bit about before the podcast so go ahead man what t- tell us a little bit about that because I think it's a perfect segue from what we were just talking about.
2: Well first off, the biggest takeaway that we had even when we watched it as a group for like the first two innings or so was the extreme amount of breaking balls and keep in mind this is a game played between 12 year olds. Uh, at least that's what was made clear to me when I watched the game. 12-year-olds throwing curveballs. Uh, at times, Brookline had a ratio of almost 2-to-1 in favor of throwing curveballs rather than a fastball. And I'm sure you can imagine uh, what that would do for a kid's arm uh, when we talk about literally elbow, for example.
1: So, well, Let's just stop there for a second. So just to the parents that might be listening, so that means... But if the boy threw five fastballs, he threw ten curveballs.
2: Yeah, at, at one point it, in the game, yes.
1: Okay, so, all right, and now the, just to go over a little of elbow, and little elbow is a little bit of a complex term, but the basics of it is a micro tear with a tendon in the elbow starts to pull away from the bone. I'm just going to explain it like that. There are. Different versions of it. I'm sure I'm not a doctor, but I do understand I am phys ed major and I do understand the basics You know, little elbow tennis elbow the, you know, just you get you start to weaken that joint from overuse or improper use or both and the curveball although it has never been proven All the research I've done on it has said this. If it's done correctly, it's okay. Of course, the problem is is that it won't be done correctly unless the boy is being coached by someone who understands how to throw the curveball correctly. I was a pretty enthusiastic baseball player. I did not learn to throw a curveball correctly until I ran into a man named Daryl Brandon who played on the 67 Red Sox with yeah, Yastrzemski and Canigliaro and so on and so forth. He moved to my hometown. He pitched for the Red Sox and the Phillies and he showed me how it was done. And I was like, man, I, I, didn't, I just had no idea. Now I think instruction has come a long way since back then, but most kids don't get instruction. They're gonna go out and they're gonna horse around with it on their own and they're gonna do it incorrectly. The way you would think it is done is not the way it's done. Let me put it like that. It's not the way you would think it's done. So most boys are going to go at it the wrong way. So I have to think that if a boy's going to throw a curveball, he's going to put more stress on his elbow, and he's throwing to a bigger plate already, so he's going to throw harder and incorrectly. So years ago, the curveball was illegal. I always went with the Tom House shaving rule. Tom House one of the best pitching coaches that ever was involved in baseball. And he's a fantastic pitching coach. He's written several books on it. You know, he coached in college. He played in the major leagues. And he said, until you're ready to shave, you should not be trying to turn the ball over. You know, you know don't try to curve it. And I know what he means about that. And I think that's a better rule, really. Um, now you got kids throwing curveballs at, you know, at all ages. So that kind of scares me. It's we don't do that in the Ted Williams League. We we have rules about that as well. Strict
4: rules Coach, about. Coach, it's
3: just it seems weird to me because when we I'd say all three of us or four of us watched that video, we had no idea that players were throwing that many curveballs, especially at that age. When I played at 12 years old, like it was rare to see a curveball. You know, usually there these kids are just throwing the fastball.
1: Well, my quick summary of it and, and I'm not going to go into it because you know me, I got going, you know, technically, and forget it. Everybody will just turn their lights out and go home. But um, the way I see it is because of the space shuttle bat that now could match the swing speed, could match the good fastball. What happens is some of the stronger kids started blowing them out of the park. I mean, just killing them. Kill them, some of the stronger kids. So then, it, okay, how, how are we going to diffuse that? So now it used to be. When the bats were not so light, not so strong, they could just throw the fastball by the kid. Now, where the swing speed is caught up to the fastball, some of the stronger kids are just blowing it over the fence. It wouldn't surprise me if there's home runs. Well, I saw one in the Little League World Series. They had to go over the fence by 50 feet. I said, "You got to be kidding me!" You know. So now, what? How do you diffuse these kids that are going to hit the take one swing and hit a home run, maybe two, three run home, a grand slam? You need to learn a breaking ball. That's the only way to really, you've got to offset their timing now. And while all this is a good idea, they've got the wrong equipment. That bat is a piece of crap. I hate it. The ball is wrong. The plate is wrong. Now, I, I just, in other words, you know, baseball has tried to solve the wrong problems the wrong way, youth baseball. So they had to go the curveball. Now what's going to happen from that? I saw a stat where Little League elbow was increasing doesn't when have to see in this district ten game, doesn't surprise me one bit that Lily Elbow's increasing. Because now what they're doing is not only are they throw into a big plate with the wrong ball, they're throwing curve balls to the big plate with the wrong ball. So anyway, I'll I'll will I'll stop it there, but I'll give you the gist of how I feel about that. What else about that game?
2: Uh, well to Ryan's point he made earlier about the bases being too short to make a play. Yep. There was one distinct play I remember uh, which should have been a 4 six, 3 double play all day long. hit now right.
1: What's a 4-6-3 double play? <laughs> Refresh my memory. I'm getting uh, old over Brown
2: ball to the second baseman, flips it to the shortstop covering second, and then throws it on the first. Oh, yeah, I remember this one. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was hit right to the second baseman, perfect flipped over to, to the shortstop, who made a perfect throw over to first, and he had no chance of getting the guy at first base because yeah. the play... The bases are just way too short at yep. that age for them.
1: Yep, I agree 100%. And, uh, you know, so th- th- I guess the reason why we went to this game is because if you watch the presentation, you might say, what is this guy doing? Oh, he's picking on all these nice players, and they got nice uniforms. And, you know, I love the coach, that coaches on the Brookline team, whatever. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> what I'm saying is I love the coach, the coaches on the Brookline team, and every team, you know, well... Not every team. Some of these guys are coconuts. You know that well as well as I do. But in general, there's some great guys. We've met some real coconuts in our day here, I'll tell you. And, uh, you know, guys that you'd never walk on a field or a court or a rink with any kid ever. And every parent out there knows exactly what I'm talking about. So, But in general, they're great people. They're great people. That's the person we're trying to help. We're trying to help him or her, the umpire, him or her. You know, how about the sponsor? What are you sponsoring? You sponsoring some kid to hurt his arm? You sponsoring a kid to be hit twice as much as he should be? Everyone involved. The, the game could be better for everybody. And here's the kick-up. If Little League Baseball called me up and said, Steve, it's Little League Baseball. How do we fix all this? That would be, be the greatest day of my life. I'd say, here's how we do it. Let's do it. Let's fire it up. They're not calling, though. Because people get set in their ways, and put, they put—they would rather do what they're doing rather than you you, you can be sure that all these leagues—Babe Ruth Little League, Pony League, AAU, whatever—they all have creeds about you know doing the right thing and sportsmanship and you know teamwork and you know becoming a good adult and all that. thats thats i think that's exactly the heart of what has happened here. Try to do something for the common good. Try to work hard. Try to communicate it in 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 a very uh, intelligent way. Trying to trying to do trying to work together. They're not calling, and they should all be calling, saying, you know, you know, let, let's talk about this. How do we do it? And here's another thing. While we're on that subject, I think the Ted Williams League should find the teams that play in district, whatever games and say hey tell you what i know you guys played you guys lost Why don't you come here and play by ted williams league rule we don't want anything you come and play here just for fun you know uh, who, 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 i'll say the first team moved on the second and third team got knocked out would you guys like to come here and play come have a hot dog and a coke and come play by ted williams league rule we'll explain it all to you before you play get out there give it a shot that sounds like fun to me because you know they're going to want to play a little bit more And this would be a whole fun thing, all wooden bats, like you were saying, Dylan. Come on down, we'll announce the game, we'll play on our field, and they'll have the time of their lives. And we'll explain to them all the things that are going to be weird to them because they're not used to it. We know where all those places are. Like you said, you know, the runner's going to lead, and the the ball might be a little different, and the bats are wood, and this is how you swing it, label up or down, and blah, 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 so on and so forth. We can explain all that before the game. Jump in and play, have some fun. You, we don't care who wins, we don't care who, who care, care who loses, we want you to see it and feel it. Don't overthrow the ball, you got to throw strikes, plate's a little smaller. What are you talking about? Well, you'll figure it out in a minute. Go ahead, start pitching. That sort of stuff. So that sounds like fun to me. What else we got? Any, anybody, any, anybody else want to weigh in on the District 10 game? And there were two players from our camp in that game. Do you remember the names, Coach?
2: Yes, it was uh, Takumi Yoshida, who hit the game-winning home run in that game, and Takafumi Tani, who played shortstop in that These game. These
1: guys, I remember. We had them a few a few years back. What nice kids. It was nice to see them in that game. It really was. I hope they hit actually I should send it to them and uh, send them the podcast. They'd be get a big kick out of it.
3: What was interesting about that game, too, was, uh, as Matt said, that there was no score until the ninth inning. Good point, John. That game point, ended up going extra innings, and the score was zero-zero the whole time. <laughs> but the funny thing was, was that the all you, the pitchers were throwing the breaking balls all the time. They the players couldn't hit the ball at all.
1: Yeah, they couldn't hit any pitch. Right. Yeah, and 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 this I'm, again, I'm not going to go into the technical of all this, but I will say this to you. My, my the simplest way that I would explain what you saw is that the whole thing between the pitcher and the hitter is all too fast. It's all too fast and too big and too heavy. Those are the words that I would use having looked at it for years and years and years. For 40 plus years now. It's too fast, it's too heavy, it's too big. The plate's too big, the ball's too heavy, the pitch is too fast. Now the swing speed is too fast. With the space shuttle bat, everything's too fast. I
3: would say it's an automatic advantage too for the player that's a that's bigger and stronger, say than some of the other guys on the team, because they're they're able to get around on the pitch easier uh, than someone who's a little bit smaller and.
1: Well, I think it's it's funny you say that because uh, you know I can see in my summary of the Save Youth Baseball presentation that one of the things that I've come to realize is that the dimensions and the equipment that is used in these traditional formats is basically eliminating certain boys from the game. It's making the game almost impossible, well, not impossible, but next to impossible for them to enjoy. And a lot of that has to do with their ability, and it shouldn't be that way. The game should be more open to more levels of ability. And what I saw... What, I'm se- what I saw in that game and what I've seen in some of these AAU games is baseball heading in the wrong direction, in a direction that's limiting who can play and who can't play. And baseball is as much from the neck up as it is from the neck down. Ted Williams always said, no one ever talks about how smart a guy was. I know that a lot of my success came from the fact that I could, was a little bit more ahead of what was going on they were, I played with a lot of guys that were better than me talent-wise, and I outhit many of them by 100 or more points because they just couldn't think along with the game. They weren't ready at the right time for what was about to happen. And um, so I think a lot of our younger boys are getting eliminated from baseball because of the, the weight, the, the, the speed, and the size of some of the formatting that's just their ability cannot compete with. And I'll leave it like that. That's a real simple way of explaining it, but there's no question in my mind that that's going on. And you basically said it, Dylan, where you were doing really well and then you weren't doing so well in town ball. And I, when you're saying this, I'm like, in my mind, my technical mind, I'm running this whole list. I wasn't going to do it here because, but in my mind, I'm going, that's because of this and because of that. I'm, I'm, I'm listening all the reasons, like you said, you hit the ball on the ground. That's be, just for example. That's because you probably leveled off or downed your swing because those are much quicker, but they're not the best way to make contact. So even though they're quicker, they're not the most successful swings. They're quicker, but they're not as as successful. So you start hitting the ball on the ground because the pitch is overthrowing the ball to a man-sized plate. So you start swinging down. That's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Now I wasn't going to go into that, but you know me. I can't stop talking about hitting, so I had to do it. So that sort of stuff is going on. Does a parent understand any of this? No. And that's why the Ted Williams League is here. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Ted Williams League podcast. Remember, for any hitting questions or questions about the league, please email us at tedwilliamsleague at yahoo.com. You can also watch the Saving Youth Baseball video presentation at our YouTube channel, Williams slash Baseball. Please subscribe to our channel there. You can also visit our website, www. Ted Williams Baseball League. From Hanson, Massachusetts, I'm Steve Faroli. Get a good pitch to hit. I to spark up all my fun. Days at the playground or right out in the street. Baseball. I uh-huh.